Okay, welcome back to another Mastering MAJ podcast. I know it's been forever, but I am ready to grind out a few of these podcasts, and I hope you guys are intrigued and finding them helpful. So today I want to jump right into it and talk about things that I wish I knew during the administrative fellowship application process. I'll touch on a couple of things today. Of course, there are many different things I could touch on. So if there are any things that you feel like I didn't cover, you want to know more about, as always, feel free to hop on into my DMs and ask the question um, because if you are wondering it, everybody else is probably wondering it too. So with that being said, let's get into today's podcast. All right, so I teased a little bit on Instagram um, what to know when applying for this 2022 application cycle, but I really wanted to take this from a little bit of a different angle and talk about things that I wish I knew during the fellowship season, because in addition to things that I think you should know, there are also always things that somebody who's been through it can tell you are different than um, what you probably ever expected. So here's my version today. Like I said, I'm only going to touch on a few just for sake of time, but I think there are lots of things that different people can tell you as well. And so while you're listening to this podcast, remember that it's always important to ask other people's opinions too. So whether that's my co-fellows or other fellows that you know across the country, I challenge you or invite you to go and chat with them because it's important to gain that different perspective. So I think something that's interesting to start off with is something that I obviously didn't really take into consideration too much, but now that I've been on the other side of the fellowship cycle, I could tell you it is actually a genuine question, and that's the question of how you're doing. You know, in every interview, I feel like whether it's informal or formal, somebody's going to ask you along the way, how are you doing today? Or how's the day going? Or how's the interview process? And that question is really a genuine question. And I think it's a genuine one because not only are they asking truly how you're doing, but it's a way to see how you are handling yourself, how you are managing, and a little insight as to what's going on in your brain as just a person, not not a future employee, not a future fellow, etc. Um, and I touched on this. I think it's important because it's something that we often overlook. Like your mind is going a million miles a minute. I know for a fact because I've been there. Um, but it's important to just take a pause and say, yeah, I'm doing pretty well today. Or yeah, today has been a really long day and I am excited to chat with you but I'm also aware that my social battery is a little drained. Um, Being open, honest, and genuine is so important, especially during the interview season, because that's the whole point of having an in-person interview, a phone interview, or a Zoom interview, right? They're trying to get to know you. They're trying to get to learn a little bit about you that's not on your resume, that's more so to your character and to your personality, and finding if that's the right fit. And I know that could be you know, a little daunting. Some people will take that and say, oh my gosh, then I really need to prepare a summary statement for how I'm doing today. But it's not that deep. Um, Truly, it's just a question of assessing kind of where you're at and how you're doing. And I think that's something that's important to remember is take ownership of that and let that question be the tone that you set for your interview time or just your informal time with others in that interview group. 
All right, so I told you guys I was going to keep these short, but that also means that I'm going to be whizzing through these things. So bear with me as I chug through different points that I have kind of written down that I want to cover. But the next thing I wish I knew during fellowship application season was how much time people took to look at my resume and my experiences. And I'm going to take a second to define resume and experiences because to me, they're a little different. And obviously, they do cross correlate. But um, again, I think the differences help with this piece of understanding of why it's important and why I wish I knew about it during the fellowship season myself. So defining the resume portion, resumes are obviously your piece of paper or papers that highlight your work. Um, they showcase different leadership skills, different um, abilities that you have in terms of leading, facilitating, supporting, driving metrics, etc. And whether yours is super long or not, I think there's a lot of different ways that you can tweak different things that you've done to showcase experiences, which is the second half of the definitions that I'm presenting. So how I define experiences when we're talking about your application package is work experience, leadership experience, um, and strategy experience. So I highlight those three because I think those three are really important in any workplace, but especially as a fellow, because when you're looking at work experience, it showcases a maturity that you have? Have you been able to hold a position? Have you been interested in holding a position before, right? Um, when we talk about leadership experience, it's really about how do you lead? How do you support? How do you gather information and bring it together? And then the final thing that I touched on was the strategy. And I think this one is kind of a soft skill that doesn't always become a hard bullet point on your resume, but it's something that we can gather from those bullet points that you've listed on your resume resume to then say, this person does have the ability to think strategically, to think operationally about how they design and challenge and work with different teams and people to drive different projects forward. And so both of those things, as you can see, are really important for your overall appearance and manner um, that comes across on the application cycle and interview process. And so the point of me defining those two things and um, spending time to talk about it is because I wish I knew how much time people took to differentiating those two, um, but then also analyzing those two when it came towards reviewing um, who could be a great fellow. And I think that's important because when you're applying, you're always thinking about, okay, what did I do? How did I do it? And how do I articulate that? And while that's important for the resume portion, it doesn't always translate to the experience portion. And so I guess the tip that's kind of coming out of this bullet point of mine is that when you're thinking about how to talk about your resume and the things that you've done to accomplish and get to where you are, think about the experience that you created for others or that you were a part of. So, you know, well-rounded answers typically have something along the lines of context, right? Then what you did in terms of metrics or in terms of the project goal, and then a conclusion. And so thinking about those three holistically, you create a bigger picture, a brighter picture, if you will, for people to be able to recognize and remember during the interview process. 
Building off of that then, it is really important that as you're thinking about those things, that you also think about how to align those experiences and that big picture that you've just painted for the organization or your interviewer to the mission and vision. And I think I did a good amount of this when I was applying, which, you know, I think I attribute to a lot of the success that I had in the fellowship process. But I'll say one thing that I wish I had thought about a little bit more is taking time to think about what the mission and vision mean to you, right? So it's easy to say, okay, let me Google Emory's or um, Northwestern or um, Yale's mission and vision, but it's harder to take time and think about, okay, but what does this mission and vision mean to me? And why is it important that I want to work at this place because of their mission and vision? And the reason I bring that up is because now having worked at an organization and been a fellow at an organization where the mission and vision is so critical and so integral to who we are, it is really important that you not only know it, um, but then also contribute to it. And so when you think about your experiences and who you are and why you want to go to that organization, really challenge yourself to think about and reflect on why that mission and vision is so important. Um, I think that's something that during the interview process, it actually helps ground you. And I didn't start doing it until later on, which is why I'm bringing it up in this podcast, because I think had I done it a little bit earlier, aka for the first few sites that I interviewed for, I think I probably would have had a little bit more success in terms of being able to connect the dots for my interviewers of why my resume and my experiences translate for me to being at that organization. And when you're able to set that stage for people, then it becomes really clear that you've not only prepared, but that you're invested. And that, of course, screams volumes to any place that's hiring um, because they automatically see that you are, um, and I'm going to coin a term here, like a lifer, right? That you want to be there um, and that you are super, super aware and invested already before they even extend you an offer, which, of course, makes anybody or any organization feel good and makes you, I think, also stand out. All right, as we wrap up this podcast episode, the last thing I'm going to leave you with is the fact that the fellowship process is not a numbers game. And I'm really going to drill this one in because I think it's something that really hindered my process in a lot of different ways. When I was applying, I was very, very set on applying to places that had multiple fellows. And I think the obvious reason for that was because I wanted to have a cohort of people. Like I really like being around people. And so the idea of having co-fellows was really fun and also an opportunity to grow with others and challenge myself a little bit more. But I think the other reason that I had in the back of my head was because then I knew I had a better shot of getting that fellowship. And like I said, it's a fact. It's not um, you know, a myth that if there are more spots, then there's more opportunity there, right? As opposed to an organization who takes only one fellow. But the reason I'm putting it in this podcast is because I think I put it as something a little too high of a priority in terms of, you know, making it a numbers game, essentially. Like, I really thought about, oh, this place is taking three fellows. That's really great because then I have three times the amount of opportunity to get a fellowship there. Um, but I think it's really important not to do that <laughs> because when you do that, you really get in your head. Um, you start, you know, 
being super competitive during the interview process or just an interview day. And it kind of brings out the worst in you. At least it did for me in in one of my interviews. And I remember thinking mid-interview, like, I've got to change that mindset because I could tell that the way I'm answering my questions in a group setting is not inclusive. It's not really who I am. And it's making me seem like this person who really only cares about myself and my interests and advocating for what I want. And so I think the tip here is that, you know, while you can recognize that there is opportunity in different places, depending on the number of fellows that they take or the number of emails that you're getting throughout the process, there is benefit in this whole process as a whole, right? Like going through the fellowship process genuinely made me a better person. It's part of why I started this podcast. It's part of why I recognized what it took to be a fellow. And I think those are skills that you're never going to lose. And so when you think about applying for the fellowship, when you think about looking at how many people are applying and whatnot, don't let it get to you. Don't let it make you derail from who you are and who you want to be in a couple of years or the next year. Really think about it as an opportunity to learn and to grow and present that as why you're a good candidate, why you want to be there, and how you want to do it. When you think about it that way instead of a numbers game, it just changes everything and it makes you so much more grateful for every single interview that you have. It makes you grateful for the connections that you're going to make when you chat um, with people in person and meet other candidates. Like Those are all your eventual peers. Those are the people that are going to be in that small sector of healthcare that you're going to surround yourself with forever and ever and ever, truly. So with that, I'm going to wrap up this podcast episode and just end with thank you so much for always listening and supporting. I hope this was helpful to you wherever you are in the fellowship process or maybe even a job process. Um, but of course, feel free to email or DM with any questions. You can find me at MasteringMHA on Instagram and at MasteringMHA at gmail.com via email. And with that, have a great one and I'll chat with you all soon. Bye.